and welcome to Rock Talk on Drives. My name is Jim Finiak. Hello, I'm Neil Corbett. Today's topic, we are going to discuss how to select the right medium voltage drive for your application. And we are here talking with our special guest, Fred Jason. Thanks, guys. Hey, Fred, good to hear from you. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I guess to start, I'm Canadian, A. Eh? Uh, my degree was in microelectronic engineering, so essentially the design and manufacturing of microchips. I started at uh, Rockwell Automation as my first job out of college. I've been here since 1989, so a little over 30 years now. Uh, in the early 90s, I spent most of my time focused on growing our medium voltage business in Latin America. In our commercial engineering group, I spent much of my career helping customers develop medium voltage-based solutions to address their specific needs. So a lot of traveling to customer plants with account managers and our distribution channel all through the Americas. The last 10 years, uh, I've been a product manager in the medium voltage drives group based in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. It's outstanding, rich set of experiences, Fred, and we share that uh, Canadian citizenship bond, as as do I. Yes. So uh, let's talk MV versus LV. Why why do people head towards a medium voltage solution versus a low voltage drive? Well, there certainly are projects with um, a clear choice of LV versus MV because of the attributes of, of the project. So there certainly are places for both. Um, let, let's just remember that, that there's two kinds of projects we want to talk about. So you can have a retrofit that uh, generally replaces an across-the-line starter with a drive for typically energy savings or better process control. And that type of project really wants to leverage the existing infrastructure as much as possible to reduce costs. Uh, and then you get uh, a greenfield project where you are designing a new project from scratch and uh, trying to reduce capital costs as much as possible while still delivering a solution that's uh, fit for purpose. So first looking at retrofit, uh, projects. The decision-making process is pretty straightforward. If the existing motor is low voltage, so typically 480 volts in North America, use a low voltage drive. If the existing motor is medium voltage, so typically 2300 volts or 4160 volts as a utility feed and 4000 volts as, as the motor rating is used primarily in North America and the rest of the world can use 3 kV, 3.3, 6, 6.6, or 10 kV and 11 kV in some areas as well. And, and there's some 13.8 drives as well for higher power applications. Um, you know, if it's an existing MV motor, use an MV drive. I mean, looking at mm -hmm. just the purchase price of the drive, a low voltage drive is always less expensive, especially in the lower power range. So for an existing MV motor and MV system, to use a low voltage drive, you'll have to add a step down from medium voltage to low voltage, and then a step up from low voltage back to medium voltage transformer 
uh, to use a low voltage drive in a medium voltage system. So this adds material costs, civil work, the space requirements for those additional transformers and negatively impacts the system efficiency by adding two transformers. This was a popular approach many years ago, but really is avoided uh, nowadays. So again, retrofit, pretty simple. Low voltage motor, use a low voltage drive. Medium voltage motor, use a medium voltage drive. For new applications, uh, you need to consider all the elements in the branch circuit. So branch circuit disconnect and short circuit protection that's usually combined in a low voltage or medium voltage starter. The utility side, power cabling, the motor side power cabling, any transformers potentially needed for voltage matching, the drive itself, and the motor. So when we look at the motor, the motor's less expensive also uh, at low voltage for lower power ranges. The motor is less expensive at medium voltage for higher power ranges. The crossover point at 4160 volts uh, which is, again, typical for North America, is usually in the 700 to 1,000 horsepower range. Above this range, above that 700 to 1,000 horsepower range, you're really starting to pay a lot for the motor because it's a custom-designed motor, and it has to handle a significant amount of extra current at, uh, at low voltage. So a 480-volt motor uses about nine times the amount of current uh, as a 4160-volt motor for the same exact power rating. So this current difference uh, equally contributes to significantly higher costs for power cabling also. So short cable lengths, you know, really reduces the impact, so it's not as much of a concern. But for longer power cable lengths, around 50 to 100 meters or longer, the cost savings you get by buying a low voltage drive versus a medium voltage drive is quickly cannibalized by the increase in the low voltage uh, power cabling costs. For example, a thousand horsepower motor needs four 500 MCM cables per phase at 480 volts. And this would cost over $100,000 for 100 meters of length, all in. So that's installing the cable, supplying the cable, bracing the cable, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and of course, the cost of the cable itself. Uh, and the termination points at the drive and at the motor. Uh, at 6,600 volts, for example, this is a, this is a voltage uh, used in, uh, in Europe a lot. So just trying to make this podcast a little more universal. Um, at 6,600 volts, you would need about one, well, you would need exactly one number four cable per phase, and that would cost around $24,000 for 100 meters of length all in. So a quarter of the cost uh, for just the cabling going between the drive and the motor. And then the other consideration really is the I squared R, the watts loss in, in the power cabling, because you've got much higher current at low voltage. Uh, you've got um, significantly higher operational uh, costs because of the loss in the cabling due to the high current. And it also contributes, depending on the length of the cable, potentially a requirement to oversize the equipment to accommodate the, uh, the watts loss in the cables itself. Thanks, Fred. Uh, so Rockwell Automation, uh, here we've got two medium voltage drive products. We have our PowerFlex 7000 and the PowerFlex 6000. How do you know when to use which? Well, first of all, 
all medium voltage drives often run the most critical applications in, in many facilities. So, so reliable operation is a key, um, a key attribute that any product needs to deliver. When we, when we look at the market, the market itself, the medium voltage drives market is, is kind of split into two segments, really based on the application requirements. And, and those application requirements go a long way to kind of influence customers' buying behaviors. About 80% of the market is what we characterize as the general purpose market. So these are centrifugal fans, pumps, compressors, um, and, and these applications don't require high starting torque, uh, regenerative braking, or really high performance torque or speed control loops. And, and the customer's decision-making process is really more focused on that initial purchase price because the perceived risk is really mitigated uh, as the application performance requirements really can be met by, by most drives in the marketplace. The PowerFlex 6000 uh, drive family really meets the application needs of those uh, general purpose applications and addresses the uh, customer's decision-making process uh, very much focused on initial purchase price. So the balance of the market, uh, the special purpose or high performance market uh, is, is 20%, uh, the balance of that market. And these really are conveyors, hoists and cranes, extruders and mixers, you know, sag and ball mills that can require uh, significantly higher starting torque than any centrifugal load. Um, a lot of times, say for a downhill conveyor or, or hoist, they require regenerative braking or holding torque at zero speed. Because of the application set and the needs are a little more specific and a little more difficult to achieve, the customer's decision process now is more around addressing and retiring the risk. So customers are much more risk adverse. Um, they really are more focused on ensuring that the product that they purchase is really fit for purpose uh, as meeting the application performance requirements can be significantly more onerous, uh, certainly than what you would see in the general purpose market. So the PowerFlex 7000 product line really is ideal for those special purpose applications as it features uh, built-in regeneration capabilities. Uh, it has the capability of providing uh, a near sinusoidal output waveform that is especially helpful for applications with exceedingly long motor cable distances. For example, we do uh, many subsea applications where the motor cables can be up to 20 kilometers or longer um, between the drive and the motor itself. So the 7000 really provides the performance and features required for these uh, special purpose applications. So that's kind of our two-pronged approach, really aligning the, the performance capabilities with the price points for both the general purpose market and the special purpose market. Yeah, Fred, you just uh, you just mentioned sub C applications. It brought to mind a really cool uh, application that I and the team got involved with in the Northwest, specifically Alaska, on offshore drilling platforms in Alaska, and they have uh, multiple deep sea wells 
Back in 2012, I recall they were uh, they were operating mainly on hydraulic pumping systems, and they wanted to to pivot towards uh, ESPs or electrical submersible pumps. And uh, typically, the OEM that builds that pump wants to supply the VFD also. But in this case, the client wanted to separate and get best of breed of both technologies. And they challenged us. They they talked about those long lead lengths, like you mentioned, up to 10, 11,000 feet, uh, you know, cable lengths. Uh, they wanted to minimize the voltage drop at the motor terminals, so significant voltage drop across the uh, the cabling, as you can imagine, and minimize the footprint. And uh, we met all of that criteria with the PowerFlex 7000. You know, uh, like you mentioned, the long lead length wasn't a problem. We didn't need an output filter, and uh, and thus minimize the voltage drop. And we had the uh, the best footprint. So. Uh, so yeah, there's some really cool applications that we get involved with with both the seven thousand and the six thousand. Yeah, certainly. Um, just uh, and, and that was a completely unplanned segue. I, I, it was kind of cool that it worked out so well. But uh, we just did a webinar about, I would say, probably about three or four weeks ago about uh, applying drives for for extra long cable lengths. So. It would be uh, it would be cool if uh, if you guys checked out uh, that webinar as well for more for more details on that specific. And, and who topic. was the speaker in that webinar, Fred? Uh, that would have been me. <laughs> awesome, great job. All right, well, Fred, thank you so much for stopping time today. Uh, appreciate the the plug for some additional follow up information here for our listeners to check out that webinar. Uh, And for those listeners, be sure to tune in next time for our next episode on when to use a VFD versus a servo drive. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Jim. See you next time. Yep. Take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks.